And here in Detroit, where so many of the tools of victory were turned out, it's in the air. All Detroit wants another kind of victory. They're out to see the Detroit Tigers, their favorite ball team. Let's go inside. You're listening to Tigers SRD with your hosts and former Little League All-Stars, Chris Brown and Roger Castillo. Welcome to Tigers SRD on a Tiger Minor League Report Network and an Overtime Media Network. I'm Rogelio Castillo. Alongside me is not Chris Brown. We'll get to that in a second. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, Stitcher, and Google Play. And also, if you are an Amazon person and you listen to music or podcasts on Amazon, say, hey, Alexa, play Tigers SRD. We come up there as well. So follow us on Twitter at RogCast81. Tonight, Pinch hitting for Chris is one of my staff members over at Motor City Bengals and, of course, over at Prospects Live. Jake's so kind to fill us in for or fill in for Chris, who was stuffing envelopes for the election, doing some stuff, helping out his wife. So kudos to him. But he did give us some. He'll be here in spirit, and he'll be here for some of the for the inside numbers, and he also helped us answer our questions. So, Jake, how's it going? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. This is um, this will be a lot of fun. I've been on a couple of times before, and um, it's not going to feel the same with, without Chris. But uh, I'll do my best to, to fill the void. Yeah, you just be you, man. That's all you. Can, that's all I can ask for. And so you can find Jake at MCB underscore Jake Bose, all one uh, after the underscore all one word. So, but uh, yeah, so plenty to get to tonight. The Tigers are in a need for a new manager as Ron Gardner suddenly retired. And it was was Saturday, right? Was was that Saturday? I feel like it was. Yes, it was yes, it was Saturday because I was at a wedding. <laughs> I yeah. was like, "Oh, hey, this happened." Yeah, the day that none of us were around, available to do anything yeah. and jump on the social media pages, I literally had to stop what I was doing and and just fly on and all that. So, uh, yeah, but it caught everybody sort of off guard. I mean, there was some sort of indication that he could have retired after the season, but. A lot of just health issues and just kind of made it really hard. So I, I totally understand why he did, and but wish him nothing but the best. And it's it's one of those things where the Tigers kind of what direction to take next. We've been doing some articles about it, but really, Jake, the one of the things that I, I have to think right now is that you have Joe Varva, who's the hitting instructor, hitting instructor, who's done a really good job of making his team better in terms of approaches at the plate. They still strike out a lot. Don't get me wrong. But that that don't, the hitting coach can only do so much. But then you see that you have Lloyd McClellan, legendary Lloyd, as Huber would call him, getting the interim and possibly a chance to manage next year. I just Some of the candidates they mentioned, Marcus Timms, Freddie Gonzalez, A.J. Hinch, a personal favorite of mine, same thing with Gonzalez. And then Vance Wilson, you're kind of like, Really? Vance Wilson? Uh, Mickey, the, I think the, the draw, draw like on his catcher's name from uh, uh, Redmond, excuse me. Um, not Mickey Redmond. Uh, yep. Mike, is it Mickey? Mike, Mike, Mike Redmond. I was thinking of the Red Wings color guy for some strange reason. But it just seems like the, the mix of names they have in there, 
with the philosophy they're going right now, which seems like they're they're happy with what they're doing with an instructor. I don't know if it's gonna be, if there's gonna be a complete clean out of former twins in management or what, but Jake, it just seems like whatever direction they have to take with this, it feels the manager they have to bring in. I I would think they would have to have it their own way instead of the Tigers front office meddling so much. Yeah, it's first of all the timing was less than ideal, and I guess Floyd McClendon can look at this as his audition, both you know. For, for himself, but the organization can look at it that way as well. Um, I, I don't see them going with McClendon. Um, I just think kind of his time has passed as a manager. He's still valuable to an organization somewhere as a secondary coach. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they play this out. And there was a report by Ken Rosenthal, the athletic, that said that, you know, they're really taking stock and, and coveting somebody that has managing experience. So, juxtapose that with J.P. Morosi's report about Marcus Thames and Don Kelly and some guys that would be new managers. Um, it's it's kind of interesting. I, I, I guess I'm happy they're keeping an open mind to the idea of hiring somebody new, um, but it already said, it seems like they're declaring the, um, the front runners to be guys like A.J. Hinch and Fred Gonzalez. Yeah, I mean, and even with the likes of Don Kelly and even Marcus Thames, I think it's kind of more they're going to legitimately get an interview possibly just for the sake of getting some reps and out of respect for those two former Tigers. Everybody wants that. Some people there's, I think it's like a half and half about Don Kelly because Don, you know, Don <laughs> Kelly, that baby and everything. And I, I, it's I kind started, of fun to think about, isn't it? It is fun, but at the same time, maybe it's just me. You know, no, it's not just me. I know Chris feels the same way about this. I, I like Don Kelly. I think he's a fine role player. I've seen yeah. blogs written about him, which is kind of strange to me. It's, it's so it, – but this is the Tigers fan lore, and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, for, mm-hmm. for crying out loud, Jim Wanalander, who was a, a reserve role player from 1987, people still remember him. And this is a guy who was a, a – who played third base for a little bit. And and I, I think it's awesome. I mean, it, there's – everybody talks about Shane Halter. There's all these players throughout Tiger lore – that fans get obsessed about Brandon Inge being one of them as well. He was, well, what about him being a manager candidate? No, thanks. Right. Sorry. No, thanks. I'm, I'm cool. Yeah. But, but, yeah. I, I'm, I was kind of excited to hear that they were coveting and wanting somebody that has experience, especially after the whole Osmus thing, you know, he was supposed to be the new age guy, young manager, fresh thinker. And it really wasn't that. So um, I think most of us were on board with, with Osmus as manager when that happened. But I think to an extent, the organization kind of learned the, the downside to um, some of what that comes with as well. So um, I think they're not trying to go like full three, you know, 180 degrees again after, you know, kind of the, the old dog and, and garden hire who I think, I, I mean, if you don't want to talk about garden hire himself, but I think he did a decent job with the hand that he was given in terms of talent. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And if you look at these styles and some of the names they talk about here, and Frank Gonzalez is – the reason why I think it's kind of contradictory or kind of strange in what direction they're, they're talking about doing. Well, we're going to use more analytics. We're, we're going to be uh, we're gonna be using these things. We're going to be using more of the, the age stuff. And A.J. Hinch follows that category to a T. Frank Gonzalez, right. when, 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 we're doing research, when I was doing research on him, he's starting to get in that a little bit in Baltimore right now because he's a coach over there. But then you don't really know what Don Kelly's 
potential style is going to be. You you know you know for a fact that he's working with Mike Rubio, Rubello, excuse me, Mike Rubello, who was the former Erie Seawolves manager, and they're they're embracing new analytics, what have you. But it's one thing to say it, but then to do it is a different story altogether. And if the Tigers are going on their PR saying, "Hey, we made a lineup with the analytics," and now with a manager like AJ Hinch who comes from a Houston, whether cheating or not. Houston has been ahead of the curve in a lot of different ways with player development. They were out there with the spin guns. I've talked about this with Chip before. And they were able to take players, base, take one individual thing, make it their strength. Like the relievers, for example. I forgot the – I'm drawing a blank on the reliever they picked up from Minnesota. Um, I don't know. Oh, um. Yeah, it's Presley. Uh, Ryan Presley. or Presley. Is it Presley I'm thinking of? Presley, yeah. yeah. Yep. They made his best pitch that pitch, and he's been lights out ever since. And so I th- – Yeah, well, even um, going back to the Tigers, yeah. you know, it was Justin Verlander, and it seemed like, you know, he was he was a great pitcher when he got dealt, so it wasn't anything that Houston did, but he talked publicly about the differences between the organizations and how they view that kind of stuff. Right. And that's And that's something that – whoever they're going to bring in has to hopefully have their own way with whatever they decide to do. And that's where, I mean, with Don Kelly, Marcus Timms, I mean, Marcus Timms, for example, he's dealing with player. Yankees failure development is ahead of the curve compared to the speed of the Tigers. So imagine you come to the Tigers and you're trying to implement what you want to do, then realize that they led the league in strikeout percentage. They don't walk. It's like the, it's frustrating. You're like, well, what am I going to do here? You can only do so much. If right. a player is a high strikeout player, depending on a change of his, you know, short of changing his mechanics, he is who he is. Mm. So yeah, and it, to kind of button up the the idea and talking about you know the next manager, I, I think there's a very small percentage of managers that can make a tangible impact on players. You know, whether it's Guys like um, Bob Melvin over, you know, in Oakland, Bruce Bochy was kind of known to to be that guy to kind of get the most out of the club and, and motivate. And I guess maybe Ron Washington is another guy to an extent. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to have talent. You know, there's nobody that's going to manage their way to a World Series. So while it does matter who they hire, um, they got to have talent first and foremost, and then what they do with that talent and, and how they handle the psychology of the clubhouse, I, I think is kind of the main thing here. Yeah, exactly. And you can only do so much with what you have. And if the player, if the players don't have that talent, what are you going to do? A manager going to make yep. so much. And that's something that I know for a fact that Chris and I have talked about before. It's just a, at this point, you're, you're just managing personalities. You're just, you're at, you're just essentially a, you know, plug and play, see what you have, and you can go from there. So, but right. uh, moving on real quick, the other thing I wanted to mention was the article in the Athletic today, which I thought was interesting, and how, in terms of for roster purposes, that there's going to be no forty man play, no forty man players on instructional camps. So the union had brought that down today, or excuse me, yesterday, that the players' association has informed Major League Baseball they will not grant permissions for for clubs. So under, except for under certain circumstances, so like injuries or medical reasons. So essentially, a player can decide on his own to attend the camp just as he could not decide to do anything else 
contrary to the sports collective bargaining agreement. So, um, so for example, like you have to look at prospects like Jerry Kalanick and Alex uh, Kiroff, who have not been added to the roster. I mean, this is not going to affect them at all. But it is interesting that um, with Baseball America come have all 15 teams going to be out for in Arizona for structure league that comes up on October 5th. I don't know, Jake, it's for you look at guys like I'm trying to think of an example that would relevant to the Tigers. You look at maybe Casey Mize, Derek Subal, who could use a couple more innings of work. I mean, normally right now they're getting what, 110, 120 innings, and they could have used the extra work. Instead, now they have to sit and wait again. Yeah, and, and I think this is kind of the league's way of forcing the instructs to really be the instructs because otherwise it would look a whole lot different um, because of that reason. And I think there are some players that they would want to, to get those additional reps. But traditionally, instructs are for, you know, A, the organizational, t- organizational types, the guys that aren't going to have much of a future in terms of the big leagues, and secondly, the guys that are rehabbing from injury. So I think this allows them to still have those kind of two types in the camp um, to get them back. And we had a question on that as well, as far as like who is going to be instructional label that yeah. crosses off 40 names right there. Hey, you know what? Let's, you know what? We can answer that question too. Cause I, I feel like we, we can take that question right now. Cause it makes a lot of sense too, as we're bringing up the subject. Oh, it was from at Katie Thornton. And she asked who's going to Lakeland instructs. And so Chris, kindly answer the question for us and he what he expects so recent draft picks catchers rehabbing pitchers and young latin kids so he expected the first group ray rivera Gio arietta max green will vest cole peterson drew carlton parker meadows cody clemens hugh smith uh lineak de la rosa burke stefridge the caster so for catchers dingler cooper johnson <laughs> chris put that kid they got from Boston, which is uh, Duran, <laughs> Porcelli, Morgan, and then the rehabbing pitchers will be Manning, Fado, Carlos Guzman, Dame Myers, who's now a hitter again. And then with the Latin kids, they hope that it would be Alonso Reyes, De La Cruz, Campos, uh, Kyder uh, Montero, Gonzalez, Jimenez, or Marco Jimenez, Angel De Jesus, Pinto, both uh, Hernandez's and Elvin and Wunkel, and Winsiel Perez. So, um, he's, Chris thinks it's going to be way more than 50. Be also considering that winter balls in the play too. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think, I don't know if Chris made that specific list before or after that article from the athletic, but I, I don't think he named anybody specifically, um, on the 40 man after you, that quick rundown, I'd have to, no, 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 check, you, yeah, but it kind of fits the mold. No, there was nobody on the rock. Yeah, because I did. I, I I told him about that article. And he ended up checking it out. So ah, so he, yep, he yeah. So and time. and really, if there is that injury kind of caveat, it'll be fascinating to know if guys like Matt Manning and Alex Vieta, who were shut down for the season, um, end up showing face there. Um, and it sounds to me like only direct employees of these organizations are going to be there. So in reality, we might not even know who shows up unless the organization makes it known. We'll see what happens. I mean, honestly, those names that Chris mentioned, I think that is pretty, sounds like pretty relevant idea and a good, yep. a good basis for going forward with it. So for me, I, I, I think 
ultimately, if we can get... All I want is some camera action down there with it. That'd be nice. That's all I want. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of guys that we won't have anything on. So, yeah, if there's an opportunity for them to come stateside and we can get some eyes on these guys to, to see what we really have there. Yeah, it would be excellent. Yeah, I want to know... Uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, I mean, neither. I mean, I, I want to know what Roberto Campos looks like since the age of 13. That sounds kind of creepy, but that's not my intention. <laughs> so, yeah. He looks like a grown man already. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's right. He did those article in the Anthony Finnick did for the Free Press, but other than that, I, haven't, I would just want to see him at a, a, a bat or something. Yep. So, but uh, moving on, and as we go into the inside of numbers this week, what is your inside of numbers this week, Jake? My inside the number is 457, and that is Juan Soto's average on breaking balls. Wow. Absolutely crushing breaking balls. And his expected batting average is only like 407. So it's a little bit of luck and a whole lot of skill. I mean, he's been an impressive watch this year. If you haven't caught any National League baseball, uh, 92nd percentile on hard hit percentage. He's 90th percentile on exit velocity and 100th percentile in expected slugging. He's been impressed with the bat in 2020, so that's my inside the number. That's a good number to have. And my inside the number this week is 158. WRC plus of one Jose Ramirez. And the reason why I mention that is because you look at what he's able to do is put Cleveland on his back, and... In terms of offensive, in terms of overall wars, he's at a 3.2. But it just doesn't, maybe it's because of the short season, what have you. It doesn't seem like you look at his, his other numbers. He's bad at 286. His bad pip is 282. It doesn't feel like a Ramirez season. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like his normal production, but he's in talk, he's talking, he's in the talks for MVP. I mean, he's putting him on yeah. the back. You know, you look at his numbers last year, this is a guy who, in, I mean, 255 last year, 23 home runs. So he, he had 23 home runs last year. He was at 17 this year. And wow. in 54 games. That's yeah, why he's talking that's about that. Yeah, that's very impressive. That's why you get the uh, you know offensive numbers. I think last year was kind of a – he missed time. He only had 129 games last year. But still, it's, it's impressive considering that in a, such a short period of time. But it's, it, the difference is – his uh, weighted OBA is 408. So I just want to give a tip of the cap to him and his numbers a little bit because if it wasn't for him, I think Cleveland would be – I think they would not be heading into the postseason. I mean, outside, I mean, of course, he's he, Shane Beaver, but still. Right. Yeah, and he kind of lives in the shadow of Francisco Lindor, I think, you know, as, as long as he'll be there, I suppose. But, um, yeah, he's had, a, he's had a great year. Didn't he hit like a walk-off home run to – clinch the postseason for him or something. There was something kind of cool that happened with that. I think that's what happened. Yeah. Um, so it was just like super fitting that, that he would be the one to kind of propel them into, into the playoffs. I mean, they were expected to make it anyway, but still kind of cool. Yeah. It's to me, it's it also a tale of kind of two seasons for him too, because he started off the season kind of slow a little bit, but in the last, I mean, since the beginning of September, his weighted runs cr- or his weighted runs created plus. Now I can say it is two forty four, two forty four from September first yeah. to September twenty uh, from uh, as of uh, September twenty first. There's a great article on Fangraphs to put about him. Um, 
about his numbers. It's impressive. And, I mean, it's just a balance. It's an overall balanced approach. But his three weeks of just that is it's amazing. So, but uh, moving on into the good and the bad, the ugly this week. You know, Jake, the one thing that still, I'm still waiting on is the idea of what's going to happen with minor league baseball. We're still waiting on, and not gonna, we're not going to see anything happen until the end of the season, but there's still new, there's news coming out today that there's another partnership organization that we talked, you and I talked about a little earlier about uh, two Indian leagues they're, they're forming up with, with the American Association, and then we got the other one on top of my head, but it's good news for baseball in a sense, but then also at the same time, yeah, we more baseball to cover, more guys to look at, but you still want to know what's going on with the rest of the system. So, yeah, it's it's exciting to keep people in the game. So if if you can keep dreams alive and keep people playing, maybe somebody figures it out, and maybe somebody gets signed by an organization, and maybe it improves the product of the game overall. So I think it's a I think it's a good move from all parties. I think. You know that these indie organizations will have the backing from the league they'll have that kind of safety net and meanwhile the league will have these players to hopefully improve their product so it's a win-win yeah yeah exactly and it's it's good for baseball the growth of baseball for markets that may not have seen major league talent at all and may, may, may see more future or older minor league players so we'll see what happens but Jake, why don't you lead off for good and bad ugly today, tonight? Sure. So uh, for me, my my good was the Tampa Bay Rays, and specifically their celebration that they had at the end of the game kind of made waves um, on social media. So they uh, obviously didn't have the typical confetti, and and the league actually kind of changed how they're treating celebrations for postseason clinchers and, and playoff clinchers. Um but they made the best of it. They had those little um, pop tops that uh, they were able to shoot some confetti out of and kind of made their own celebration. And um, There was actually a good tweet on, on Twitter that said they immediately picked up all of the confetti chips to, to save money for, for next year, which is, <laughs> which is so raised. Um, so that made me laugh. But that's my, that's my good for this week. Um, my bad, and, and by bad I mean good, is uh, this Garrett Crochet cat from uh, Chicago 2020 draftee comes up and just absolutely shoves out of the bullpen for him. Supposedly he's supposed to be a starter, but um, he comes from the left side throwing 102 miles an hour out of nowhere, and everybody's like, who's this guy? And, um, yeah, it's it's been impressive, heavy, overpowering stuff. So uh, the White Sox, you know, were already good, <laughs> kind of in a depressing way for Detroit Tigers fans, and and they got a little bit better with with him. Um, and my ugly is Casey Mize's cutter last night. It just it didn't do anything. Half of Tigers Twitter didn't even know what it was that he was throwing exactly. It wasn't moving much. It was about 90 miles an hour, and it got crushed a couple of times. So. I'm not pressing the panic button on Casey Mize or I'm not here to trash Casey Mize or anything. It just seems like he's been a little cutter happy lately. Um, so I, I don't know if it's an adjustment thing or, or what he's trying to do really, but um, it hasn't been working for him so far. I could bad and ugly. All right. Yeah. And you know what? The thing is with Casey Mize, I think it's just going to take some time and it just developing consistency. But I think 
I think 2020, this whole season's been kind of a cluster bleep, and so I think that I have a role with it. Because the split finger, I mean, again, you saw the, what the first three innings looked masterful, and then it just all of a sudden, it just maybe it's between the ears. So, I don't know. I, I don't want fans to go. I mean, there's some fan on our Facebook page. Oh, <laughs> uh, there was a Facebook group. I'm sorry, those Facebook groups. You and I have talked about this before. Some of the. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, you said it better than I did, uh, which is, oh, you know, say a word, just All right. like, yeah, oh boy, yeah, exactly. Uh, one person We're going to go in the rap, rap, rap hole, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, you know, they could have gone better with uh, the 2018, you know, blah, blah, blah. so, yeah, anyway. Oh. Yeah, I'm not pressing the, the panic button on Casey Mize, but I can't help but wonder if there's a little part of Alavila's brain that's like, sitting back saying I told you so after he said that he had to work on all of his pitches and that was the reason they didn't call him up sooner <laughs> oh man alright well my good and bad ugly this week is a little more news heavy than anything but I don't, I'm trying not to be too depressing but the the good this week is what's coming on to Alex Gordon is retiring and that's good because homegrown guy and he's gonna stay with his team so kudos to him i will not miss him gunning down tigers from left field at all so i'm not that's why i said i had to do the the prefix about not trying to sound depressing but same time it's 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 good that alex gordon gets you don't see that very often anymore you don't see the guy that stays with the team the entire time and it's rare i mean george brett comes to mind too for the royals and royals are such a the royals are small market team and have a guy like Alex Gordon at his caliber lead him to a World Series and be able to stay with the team. That's that's pretty cool. So I was one of those that didn't think that they would be able to re-sign Gordon when he was coming up as a free agent. And it was kind of around that time where people started to really evaluate defense and glove and they knew he had a great arm and um, but they, they shelled out the money. Kudos to them and good for Gordon for hanging with them. Yeah, that's it's been a cool career to uh, to watch from afar. Yeah. The bad is the J.D. Martinez is declining against fastballs. And so you look at his slump. I mean, he's batting 216, six home runs. I mean, even Kristen Yelich, there's other guys, too, that even comes to mind. Like Jose Altuve, the number drop-off is jarring. They can't use video to look work on a swing. So he has really no basis to... That, that, that's his bread and butter. He always uses his video, but players are banned as a result from what happened with the whole Astros and Red Sox thing. So, and apparently MLB, because of the pandemic, doesn't want the video room crowded. So, and he's also kind of been pissed off on like, hey, you know, what the hell? Why can't, you know, make my adjustments? And this is a quote he said to the Boston media, quote, for certain people, they don't get the video until the next day. And at that point, they're already trying to get ready for the game. For me, I usually get my video within an hour from now. Then I'll stay up till 2 in the morning, try to break it down, line it up, and get it going. But a lot of guys don't do that. Fortunately for me, I have my laptop, which has every swing I've taken in the big leagues since 2015. So I can kind of line it up and do my own analysis. But most guys come to the park and line it up and look at the computer and look at what they're doing versus what they're doing now. We don't have anything, we don't have anything with that. And a quote. So... But yeah, the lack of video is really affecting him, and this is bad for him in terms of a guy who just got this. 
he has two years left at $38 million. And you know the Red Sox have been cutting salary left and right, quote-unquote cutting salary, which sounds really strange for a team that that kind of revenue range. But there you go. I mean, it's – and that leads to my ugly, which is the Angels and the Phillies. And in the Mike Trout era, they have – this is the sixth consecutive season. They will not make it to the postseason. And you see all the talent they have. They got Anthony Rondon. You thought they would make a run, but not enough pitching, not enough of the, the certain fundamentals to have. And just also the, the decline of Justin Upton, too, a former Tiger. Justin Upton's numbers have just been, man, I mean, like the, the last, the, for his first 20 games, he's got off to a rough start. He was batting just under 100. I mean, he's gotten better and he's been getting there, but still. Too little, too late. The streak is just not enough. I mean, he's batting the last 19 games. He's batting 308, 416, and 569. But a weighted runs cross plus of 174. But, you know, it's a waste. It's a waste to me that these two teams, two franchises, and big markets can't get anywhere. And so that's to me, that's ugly. And for the Angels, where do you go from here? You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, there's rumors about them hiring Dave Dabrowski, who I thought was going to be in Nashville. So that whole situation out in L.A. is looking really ugly. So that is my good and bad and ugly for the week. As the Tiger season draws to a close, was it Monday? Is it, it is over this weekend, essentially, right? If they the Cardinals still need to make up, right? Yeah, it'll depend on, on how they choose to handle that. But, yeah, um, and I think the plan as of now is a doubleheader at Comerica Park. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. That would be for Monday. Yep. 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 So we'll see. Yeah, and for for Tiger fans out there, the end of the season with hopefully continued progress from Willie Castro, his numbers, the bat pip can't be continued, but still, has fun to see he hit a home run tonight. Miguel Cabrera with two home runs yesterday, which are a rarity, and he has a total of nine on the season, a little more than he I hit saw. a home run while we were recording, actually, to tie the game. Oh, really? Okay, well then, sweet. Yeah. It's 10th home run of the season. All right, I predicted nine, and he did 10, so sweet. And the Blue Jays just clinched their postseason for the first time since 2016. And that's awesome. And we also, somebody just tweeted at us that Daz Camp, Daz is hitting the ball hard right now. And he's right. It's better than the future value of 35 plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, he's done well. He, he had those scuffles and, you know, we were joking about it, but when Fangraph dropped that grade, it just seemed like too hasty of a, of a move to make. And it's hard to watch every organization and get full context, but with what he had going on with COVID and the lack of time that he had, you know, Al Avila came out and said they wanted him to get at bats. So it was kind of suspect. Um, I didn't think they were going to bring him up for that reason, just because Avila made it seem like, yeah, he needs at bats. That's the most important thing for him right now. Um, but apparently he wanted those bats to be at the uh, big league level, so I'm not going to complain. It's been it's been interesting to watch. He's he showed a little bit for us. Yeah, and you know the one thing about before we get out of here, I do want to break down Miguel's numbers and give him the value that a lot of people thought that oh just get rid of him he's a bum blah 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 you know blah. and look I did a trade piece because I thought he he still had some value to a team and I still believe that to this day. And you look at his numbers since 
since August 1st, let's, let's go, you know, for, for a point of reference, let's go back to August 1st. Since August 1st, he has batted, okay, majority of his home runs have come from the nine home runs. His OPS is 729. His batting average, 241. Eh, okay, not, not great in the batting average department. But still, I mean, it's, it's a little more than people expected. I mean, nine, I don't think people expected 10 home runs a season. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think there were any expectations. I've said it, I think, on your show before that I I thought Miguel Cabrera could overperform because the ex- expectations were zero. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Everybody no, thinks true. that it's dead weight. And, and make no mistake about it, it's not, not the Miguel Cabrera of 2013 or anything like that, but that doesn't mean that he can't hit anymore. So, um, yeah, it's... It's been refreshing to kind of watch, especially the last two days, three home runs in two days. So, thanks to you. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about Glacier contracts, I'd rather have his in Upper Blue Holes any day. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Time. Going back to your point on the Angels, it, and it seems like the Angels have been, you know, just so bloated from a payroll perspective for so long. Even going back to, like, Josh Hamilton, you know, mm-hmm. they signed him from Texas, and he just, like, fell off the face of the earth, essentially, like, right after he signed the deal. Um, yeah. So, I don't know what's going on in LA. Honestly, they're they're forever in this area of mediocrity, and yet they have this payroll that is rivals, you know, the, the big East Coast uh, teams. Yeah, I mean, you're not. I mean, Shohani Otani is batting 194. I mean, wow. it's yeah. You, you look at that, like it's just it, it, it's it's startling. It really is. And Anthony Rondon, who's doing, I mean, he's he's doing the best he can. He's he's putting up the numbers, but from a pitching standpoint, too, I mean, you you get a good season out of Dylan Bundy out of nowhere. He's come back down mm-hmm. a little bit from from, uh, from Earth a little bit from earlier in the season, but Griffin Candy Griffin Canning, who's a, one of their arms from their system, that's a good story. They have some good stories in their pitching staff, but their bullpen, I mean, it's it's a hodgepodge, but still, you expect them offensively to be better, but they're just defensively defensively. They're not that good, and so that's where the struggles begin. But as far as Philly is concerned, Philly, you know, you, you mentioned earlier you were, I was talking about the Internet Baseball Writers Association. I have a vote for whoever wins the various awards. And Ryan, I was looking at Ryan Wheeler's numbers. I'm like, crap. I, no one it just came out of left field, and you're right about the, the value that he for him. I mean, we all were like, really, Ryan Wheeler? And Right. Yeah, so – yeah, Zach Wheeler, right? Zach Wheeler, Ryan Wheeler, Zach Wheeler. Yeah. yeah, yep, yeah. I was when he signed that deal. I was kind of like, ooh, like that. That could turn out so poorly because he was injured so often. But turns out the Mets are going to Mets, yeah. <laughs> and he's been uh, he's been fairly consistent uh, this year. So hopefully, he continues to pitch well for him and uh, can, can stay on track. But yeah, the- yeah, and. Uh, you know, Chris. Before we wrap up, too, Chris was wanting to know if we wanted to talk about Michael Palmer. Is that is that too negative of a topic at this point? Uh, we can talk about. Him. Oh, you know what? <laughs> you know, what? I did. I did forget to read his. He had his inside numbers, so let me do that real quick because I forgot about that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, and no, Chris, we're not going to talk about Michael Fuller because there's nothing to talk about. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of the Mets, the Mets are going to met. Stay. They're, they're the new owner is going to hire Sandy Ellerson to run baseball operations. That's a former name. If you're familiar with baseball, that's the guy who built the Oakland A's to World Series contenders in the late 80s and the early 90s. 
So, and he was in New York before. So, crazy. Anyway, so here's his inside the number, and it was 2500 That was a signing bonus for Dodgers pitcher Tony Golison, who may got a lot of rookie, year, rookie of the year votes. Why is this relevant? Well, Dodson was a ninth-round senior signed out of St. Mary's College in L.A. in that 2016 draft class that was really good for the Dodgers. When he was signing, he was throwing almost he was throwing like 88 and 92, but a year later he was touching almost 100. This year, Dodson's fastball is sitting at 95. He also throws a slider, a curve, and a pretty nasty splitter. If that sounds like a turbo version of Casey Mize, then congratulations. You now get the connection. Gosselin pitched a bit last year, and he's already 26, but he has put up a 1.5 war season in a shortened season. It's over two war for his season, or for his career, rather. Obviously, it's way too early, and this ties to what you were saying earlier, Jake, to say anything definitive about Mize. He may figure things out, and by the time he's 26, he could be the front-line star we all hope for. But there is a non-zero chance for the Los Angeles Dodgers found and developed a pitcher that is good is better than Casey Mize. And they got they did it 280 picks later in a different draft, mind you, and they spent about $7.5 million less to do it. Getting high draft picks matters because you get more money, but there is no substitute for having good talent evaluators and players and player development systems. Amen, my friend. Amen. Wow. Yeah, way to wrap it up. It's it's one thing to find potential. It's another thing to take that potential and actually execute on what you want to do with the players. The Dodgers have been so good at, at doing that. Yeah, they are better than anybody else in the game about it. And so they're going to the postseason. The Rays are going to the postseason. That's another example of that. So that being said, thank you so much for listening to Tigers SRD on the Tiger Minor League Report Network. Again, we'll be announcing a couple changes on the the site shortly and probably by mid-October. we got to confirm everything with Chip. And so much more content available for you over at Prospects Live. We've got to plug the site, prospectslive.com. we got the pitching lists. we got pitching Friday, or the Film Study Fridays with Trevor. A lot of stuff to consider. I, I'm just making this plug up on the fly. But check out all the great content there at prospectslive.com. And, of course, at MotorCityBangles.com as well. So, for myself, Jake, we'll talk to you soon. Later. All right.